The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, December 12th, 2022. Coming up this hour. A huge week for central banks with the Fed, ECB, and Bank of England all making policy decisions. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says inflation will be much lower by the end of next year. Amgen makes its biggest acquisition ever. And the January 6th committee gets a step closer to its final report. I'm Amy Morris. New York subway officials are looking at hiking fares, and the area is bracing for its first major snow event this season. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Giants got blown out by Philadelphia. The Jets lost in Buffalo. The Knicks beat Sacramento. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are on the rise this morning, 601 on Wall Street, and we check the markets all day long here at Bloomberg, with S&P futures up nine points or a quarter percent, Dow futures up 62 points or two-tenths of a percent, and NASDAQ futures are up three-tenths of a percent or 36 points. The DAX in Germany is down about two-tenths of a percent, 10-year Treasury up 14 30 seconds, yield 3.52 percent, and the yield on the two-year 4.32 percent. Nathan. Karen, we begin with a big Week for central bank decisions both here and abroad. We get the preview this morning from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. Are you ready for risk? We have a host of major market moving events this week. Tuesday, U.S. CPI will weigh on investors' views of what the Fed will and has to do. Wednesday, the Fed will tell us not just a rate move, but new economic forecasts and a new dot plot. How high do they think U.S. interest rates have to go? How high will they have to go in Europe? Well, Thursday, all eyes turn to the ECB, which will also be moving rates up and offering new forecasts. What kind of recession will they see? The Bank of England has already forecast contraction, but with inflation high, they are expected to raise rates again on Thursday. The question on Threadneedle Street, when do they stop? Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thanks. Well, so far, the jury's out on whether central banks are winning the war on inflation. But Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is optimistic. She says prices should be much lower by the end of next year, as long as there aren't any unexpected shocks to the economy. I believe inflation will be lower. Um, I am very hopeful that the labor market will uh, remain quite healthy uh, so that people can feel good about their finances. In an interview with CBS's 60 Minutes, Secretary Yellen said ending Russia's war in Ukraine would be the single best thing for the global economy. She says U.S. support for Ukraine will continue, quote, as long as it takes. We're doing everything we can to bring this war to a conclusion. Of course, we're providing considerable help um, to Ukraine, both military and economic. 
And listeners in Washington get here 60 minutes from CBS Sunday nights at 10 on Bloomberg 99.1. Well, support for Ukraine will be high on the agenda, Karen, when group of seven leaders meet virtually today. The White House says President Biden spoke with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky last night to underscore his support. The U.S. has promised $38 billion in military aid and delivered $13 billion in direct aid to Ukraine so far. Meantime, Nathan, the U.S. will send a delegation to China in the coming days. The move follows up on President Biden's meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping last month to G20. The two countries have plenty of disagreements, including over Taiwan and U.S. moves to limit China's economic and technological influence. Well, we have moves on Capitol Hill's response to last year's insurrection, Karen. The January 6th committee has taken another step on its way to producing its final report with a new subcommittee meeting. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter reports. The stated purpose of the meeting, possible prosecution on criminal charges coming out of the insurrection. Congressman Adam Schiff on CBS has heard here on Bloomberg. I think we're all certainly in agreement that there is evidence of criminality uh, here. Schiff says the committee's been able to provide very important information to the DOJ, but just as important. I think it makes an important statement, uh, not a political one, but a, a mm-hmm. statement about the evidence of an attack on the institutions of our democracy and the peaceful transfer of power. Less than two weeks until the curtain comes down. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. And turning to the markets now, we have a couple of deals to kick off the week, including breaking news in the biotech industry. We get the latest live with Bloomberg Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. What a difference an hour makes. It is now a deal. Amgen will buy Horizon Therapeutics at $116.50 per share cash. That is the largest acquisition for the company to date, and it is almost $20 higher per share than Horizon Therapeutics' closing price on Friday. Once again, and it is now official Amgen will buy Horizon Therapeutics in what will be the company's largest acquisition to date. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thank you. We also have an acquisition involving Microsoft. That company's agreed to buy a stake in the London Stock Exchange Group. The deal gives Microsoft a 4% equity holding as part of a new long-term strategic partnership. Part of a broader 10-year agreement to help the London Stock Exchange owner develop data analytics and cloud infrastructure using Microsoft products. Well, staying in London now, Nathan, we have a couple of major stories this morning centered on the U.K. economy. There's fresh growth data from the U.K. as the country grapples with widespread strikes. And we go to London and get the latest live with Bloomberg's James Wilcock. Good morning, James. Good morning from a frosty UK, Karen. The economy here expanded 0.5% in October as business recovered output lost in public holidays after the death of the Queen. But with strikes across the country affecting health, transport and education, the outlook is much grimmer. You can already see that in hospitality, with pubs and restaurants saying Christmas party bookings are as bad as they were during COVID as people cancelled due to rail strikes. The UK government is meeting this morning to discuss sending in the army to fill in for workers walking out. In London, James Wilcock, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, James, thank you. And in banking news this morning, Reuters is reporting Morgan Stanley plans to cut investment bankers' annual bonuses in Asia by as much as 50% this year. According to the report, the scale of those cuts in the Asia business could possibly be replicated in the U.S. and Europe. S&P futures up 8 points, Dow futures up 52, NASDAQ futures higher by 32 points. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's now 607 on Wall Street, 31 degrees in Central Park. Sunny but chilly today. Highs only near 40 degrees. We're getting down to the upper 20s tonight. And Amy Morris is here now with more on what's going on in New York and around the world on this chilly morning, Amy. 
Oh, thank you, Nathan. More than 30 years after the bombing of Pan Am Flight 103 over Lockerbie, Scotland, that killed 270 people, including 38 New Jersey residents, a suspect is now in U.S. custody. Bert Ammerman's brother, Tom, from New Jersey, says there is no closure. He had two daughters at the time, six and four, a wife. He was 36, young. He didn't get to live his life. The suspect is expected to make a court appearance in Washington, D.C. on criminal federal charges. New York subway officials are looking to avoid a budget disaster. The Metropolitan Transportation Authority says it could face a budget gap of nearly $3 billion by 2025. The New York Times reports they are considering raising the transit system's base fare a couple of times by 2025 to just over $3. It would be the first time they've talked about raising fares since the pandemic began. Safety upgrade are coming to railroad crossings in the Hudson Valley. Senator Chuck Schumer has unveiled new plans to spend more than $100 million on those improvements. Schumer also wants to invest money in Newcastle to build a bridge. It is the largest oil spill in Keystone Pipeline history, more than 588,000 gallons of crude. Officials say they've got it contained for now. Warren Martin is executive director of Kansas Strong, a nonprofit organization that educates people about the oil and gas industry. This oil spill is a little bit different than some of the past pipeline spills because it involves a body of water. And so it's not real certain how the EPA is going to respond to that. They have to approve starting back up the pipeline. And so there's a remediation process that takes place to clean up all the oil, to analyze the pipeline. Industry insiders believe the pipeline will be up and running again around December 20th. NASA's Orion spacecraft splashed down in the Pacific off the coast of Mexico yesterday, bringing a successful end to a 25-day test flight that sent an uncrewed vehicle around the moon and back to Earth. Artemis 1 helps pave the way for NASA's program to return humans to the surface of the moon. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Amy. 609 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. Everyone knew it was going to be a tough Sunday for the Jets and Giants. Sure enough, both teams lost. Jets were in it in Buffalo. Their defense again played well, but for the second straight week, the offense produced only one touchdown. The Bills won 20-12. Mike White in defeat, 27-44. of He took a beating, sat four times twice. He had to leave the game, and after the game, White went to the hospital with injured ribs, a precautionary measure. A jet bright spot was rookie running back Zonovan White. He gained 71 yards, scored the Jets' only touchdown. As for the Giants, never in it. At MetLife, Philadelphia scored touchdowns on their first three possessions. A Giants' illegal punt didn't help matters. The final was 48-22. to Most points the Eagles have scored in a road game with the Giants since 1971. And Philly's already in the playoffs. In NFL best, 12-1, and 6-0 on the road. Brian Dayball's Giants winless in the last four games. You're winning, it's fine. When you're losing, it's humbling. Um, you lose like this, you own it. You don't make any excuses. They played well. Um, and we get to, you know, have an opportunity to get ready and, and play a big game on, on Sunday night. Yeah, that's the game in Washington. Move to prime time. The two teams have the same record. The winner will own the tiebreaker. They're in a battle with Seattle. Three teams vying for two playoff spots. Giants got some help yesterday when the Seahawks lost at home to Carolina. Knicks stay hot. Their fourth straight win. They played great defense in all four. 
at the Garden beat Sacramento, who's a good team this year. 112-99, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, both with 27 points. All 27 for Randle coming in the first half. Third quarter, he got ejected, picking up two technicals. Low-scoring Battle of New Jersey, Seton Hall 45, Rutgers 43. No one scored more than 10 points. Both teams were 6-4. and four. Paul Silas has passed away at 79, played 16 seasons for five NBA teams. John Stashow, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Thanks, John. Uh, Bloomberg Sports is brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer. To get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. S&P futures now up 10 points. Dow futures up 68. NASDAQ futures are higher by 38 points. Ten-year Treasury is up 15, 30 seconds. The yield on the benchmark, 3.52%. Six twelve on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak on a week that is going to be focused on central banks here and around the world. Let's bring in David Rosenberg ahead of all these decisions, the founder and chief economist and strategist at Rosenberg Research. Uh, David, it's good, as always, to speak with you. Uh, give us your expectations on what we could see, uh, first off, from the Federal Reserve on Wednesday. Well, I think that um, the Fed is a pretty easy call in terms of what they're going to do on rates. Uh, 50 basis points uh, is baked in the cake. Uh, I think the only issue is going to be the tone of the press statement, uh, the cadence uh, at the, the post-meeting press conference by Powell, and, of course, the markets will be uh, fixated on the dot plots. Uh, but I'd say that now that the futures market's already priced for uh, the terminal rate at 5%, which is what the Fed's already signaled, uh, I don't really know what the potential is going to be for any big surprise. We have heard uh, a pretty strong drumbeat, uh, particularly from Fed Chairman Powell, the latest from the uh, Brookings Institution speech about the need to keep rates higher for longer. Do you think the market has gotten that message? Well, I guess it, it's like the debate about transitory. Uh, what does for longer uh, really mean? Uh, I think people tend to think that uh, once the Fed pauses, uh, the, the pivot or the rate cut happens like the next month. It rarely, if ever, happens uh, that smoothly. Usually the lag is about six months. And interestingly enough, the markets are priced for the Fed to be done at 5% by May, and the futures markets pricing in two rate cuts by the end of the year, which by and large would follow the historical script. So uh, I don't think that longer necessarily has to mean the Fed's going to be keeping rates at 5% for 12 or 24 months. Uh, to me, higher for longer will mean uh, getting the 5% if they get there and then keeping it there for a couple of quarters as they assess how the economy and the inflation backdrop is performing. Let's just say one thing, okay? We heard from Janet Yellen in the past few days, not just once, but twice in the course of 60 minutes, where she's coming out and saying that she doesn't expect inflation to just be lower in 2023. Uh, she's saying it's going to be much lower. And I don't think that, you know, she meets with uh, Powell frequently. I don't think she'd be going out with comments like this without his nod of approval. Uh, so I think that really points uh, towards a, a less hawkish bias uh, out of the Fed on Wednesday, in my opinion. Interesting. Do you think the Fed has gone far enough with the fight against inflation? Do you think it's gone too far? Well, I, I think that the truth is always in the yield curve, uh, always the much maligned yield curve. You know, it's interesting that all the economists and the analysts and strategists ne never have a problem with the yield curve when the Fed is easing into a steep yield curve. Of course, that just paves the way for unrelenting positive economic growth and reflation. Uh, 
Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, when the Fed starts to tighten and inverts the yield curve, we have this big debate about the veracity of the yield curve. It seems to only work for most Wall Street strategists in one direction. But the Fed is tightening, has been tightening into an inverted yield curve at the extent that we hadn't seen since Paul Volcker uh, in 1981. And we already know what happened in 1982, okay? We had a steep recession, uh, and we had inflation melt. Uh, so I think that's going to be the prognosis. So you're going to ask me, did the Fed overdo it? Well, look, if their goal all along was to cause the conditions for a contraction in aggregate demand uh, to cure the inflation battle, uh, well, this is exactly what we're going to be getting. So I'm not going to say that the Fed has overdone it. This is probably what their goal was, tighten aggressively into an inverted yield curve. The bond market has been screaming uncle uh, for months now, and we're going to get the recession and inflation in every recession, even in those god-awful stagflation periods of the 1970s, in recessions, demand destruction overtakes whatever inelastic supply we have, and inflation melts. And that's the story for 2023. Now, the other uh, story that we heard from Treasury Secretary Yellen in that interview last night was that she doesn't think necessarily that there has to be a recession uh, for the Fed to get the fight done against inflation. Of course, the yield curve is as inverted as it's been since the early 80s. So who's getting it wrong, David? Well, she didn't say – well, she actually said that inflate, that recession is still a risk. But, I mean, what do you want, really? She's a politician. Uh, she works for the administration. You really expect her to come out and say, oh, we're going to have a recession for sure in the coming year? To me, actually, the fact that she even said that there is a risk that we have recession, that was what was important. But you can't expect a cabinet member to come out and say we're going to have a recession for sure next year. Who does that? Um, but the reality is that uh, if we emerge without a recession, given the message from the bond market, the extent of the inversion in the bond market, whatever part of the curve you want to look at, if we escape without a recession, it will be the first time that's ever happened. And tell me how well the refrain of it will be different this time, how well has that worked mm-hmm. for investors in the past? Right, right. We're gonna... Not too well. Right. Well, we're going to continue this conversation in the next few minutes here with David Rosenberg, founder and uh, chief economist at Rosenberg Research. Want to get your thoughts, David, as well on uh, what we could get from the uh, final inflation print before that Fed decision on Wednesday, and as well as the uh, other central banks coming out with uh, policy decisions of their own. So stay with us here on Bloomberg Daybreak as we keep the conversation going here with David Rosenberg, the founder and chief economist at Rosenberg Research. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. For 50 years, philanthropists at all levels have turned to JCF's donor-advised funds to streamline their charitable giving. Visit jcfny.org. U.S. stock index futures on the rise this morning, and we check the markets all day long here at Bloomberg with S&P futures up about 12 points or three-tenths of a percent. Dow futures up 66 or two-tenths of a percent, and NASDAQ futures up 39 or a third of a percent. The 10-year treasury up 16.30 seconds. 
Yield 3.51% and a yield on the two-year, 4.31%. NYMEX crude oil is down 7 tenths percent or 47 cents at $70.56 a barrel. COMEX gold down 3 tenths percent or $5.20 at 1805 an ounce. We're watching shares of Horizon Therapeutics this morning up more than 14% in early trading. As we've been reporting, it's being purchased by Amgen in a cash deal worth almost $28 billion. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Amy Morris with more on what's going on around the world. Amy. Karen, a Libyan man suspected in the 1988 bombing of Pan Am Flight 103 over Scotland is in U.S. custody. A Department of Justice spokesman says the alleged operative expected to make an initial appearance in the U.S. District Courts Court for the District of Columbia. A U.S. helicopter raid has killed two Islamic State officials in Syria. U.S. Central Command says one of the people killed in yesterday's raid was a provincial official in eastern Syria who was involved in plotting and carrying out the terrorist group's operations. In sports in the NFL, the Bills beat the Jets. The Giants lost to the Eagles. Ravens and 49ers win. In hockey, the Caps and Bruins win. And in the NBA, the Knicks beat the Kings. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Amy, thank you. It is 623 on Wall Street. I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, brought to you by Anshin Accountants and Advisors, the right fit tax and accounting firm that you need to succeed. Visit them at Anshin.com slash VIP to learn more. That's Anshin.com slash VIP. And we're back with David Rosenberg, now founder, chief economist and strategist at Rosenberg Research as we look ahead to the Fed decision and all the other central banks later on this week. Ahead of that, David, of course, we get one last read on inflation in tomorrow's consumer price. Price index. We had producer prices come in a little bit hotter than expected last week, though still trending lower. Does that inform what we could see uh, from the consumer data tomorrow? Well, I don't think so. I know that uh, a lot of, uh, shall we say, pundits were pointing to uh, the outsized PPI number uh, on Friday, but the entire delta between the actual and the expected on the PPI and the core uh, came from this bizarre 4% uh, seasonally adjusted surge in financial sector fees. Uh, outside of that, the headline and core PPI were in line with consensus estimates. Uh, the consensus for this week, headline and core, plus 0.3%, uh, seems, uh, uh, seems right for me, uh, but I would say that what's more important is the outlook for inflation. And uh, the big break we've been seeing in the past several months, finally, is the deflation we're now seeing in rental rates in real time. Uh, and that will morph into a real significant slowing in uh, the real bottleneck for the CPI data, which is the OER and the rental rents. Um, to me, that's going to be more important for 2023. For this week's number uh, on the CPI, I think plus 0.3 is probably uh, about right. I don't think it's going to have a big market impact. So does that have any impact then on the rate trajectory for the Fed heading into 23? Well, I think that, you know, what's at play here isn't so much the near term. Uh, the Fed's laid down its cards. Uh, they need to see multi-month um, slowing in inflation, core inflation. So as risk managers, uh, they're probably going to continue to raise rates into the early part of next year. Uh, I think they'll pause. Uh, the only debate, the only debate, the debate isn't 5% terminal. That's in the market. The debate is whether or not the Fed is going to, after it pauses, which is inevitable after a tightening cycle, especially one as pernicious like this, is when 
that they start to cut rates. And they'll start to cut rates once they start to see inflation go down significantly over a multi-month period and when they start to see the unemployment rate uh, begin to hook up. Uh, and I think that'll be the story in the second half of next year. I said before, the markets are priced for two rate cuts by the end of next year. That's really the debate. The debate is really, at this point, when does the Fed uh, start the eventual easing cycle and by how much? Uh, my sense is that just like in the aftermath of every easing cycle, tightening cycle, just like the one we just saw, uh, the, the rate cut cycle is probably going to come a little earlier and as they say, you know, the higher they go, the harder they fall. I know you can't convince anybody today that the Fed is going to be easing policy aggressively in the second half of next year, but I think there's a very good chance that it will. It's going to be very interesting to see what, if any, clarity uh, we get from the Fed when the decision comes on Wednesday and, of course, the news conference from Chairman Powell Wednesday afternoon. David Rosenberg of Rosenberg Research, thanks for your insights ahead of all that this morning. Great having you on with us. We've got your morning's top stories just ahead, plus a check of markets. First, Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn with your forecast. Clouds will give way to sunshine today as low pressure heads out to sea. The weather improves across the tri-state area. Temperatures today up close to 40 degrees. Clear tonight, 25 to 30. It's going to be colder in the suburbs. High pressure will linger across the area tomorrow. We'll have more sunshine. Highs near 40. Clear tomorrow night, low of 25 to 30. Sunny skies for Wednesday with temperatures close to 40. I'm Rob Carolyn with your three-day forecast on Bloomberg 1130. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 628 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And we're nearly three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. It's time for the five things that you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by IBKR. Investment advisors switch to interactive brokers for lowest cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges and no conflicts of your interests at IBKR.com slash RIA. Up first, U.S. futures are higher this morning as we enter a big week for central banks. The Fed, ECB, and Bank of England are set to make policy decisions when Wednesday and Thursday. And when it comes to the Fed, the central bank could be poised to shift gears at least a little. Bloomberg's Vinny Dal Judice reports. The Fed has been tightening in a big way, winding up the last four meetings with jumbo 75 basis point rate hikes to fight inflation. Higher rates, risk of recession, though. And economists see the Fed opting for smaller half-point hikes, mindful that efforts to steer the U.S. economy could drive it off the road. There's room for the Fed to keep tightening. Data Friday showed November's producer price index top forecast. Moreover, Wall Street anticipates this week's data on U.S. consumer prices will show no significant let-up. Vinny Darrell, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. And the Treasury's weighing in on the inflation fight. Secretary Janet Yellen is cautiously optimistic that the Fed can win its battle against high prices. I believe by the end of next year you will see much lower inflation if there's not a an unanticipated Shock. Secretary Yellen tells 60 Minutes on CBS that she's seen positive signs, including lower shipping costs and reduced lag times for deliveries. Our listeners in Washington can hear 60 Minutes Sunday nights at 10 on Bloomberg 99.1.
Well, in DL News this morning, Nathan, we had breaking news within this half hour. Amgen announcing its biggest acquisition ever, and we get the latest live with Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. That's right, Karen and Nathan. It's official. The biotech giant is buying Horizon Therapeutics for $116.15 per share in cash, that offering about 20% higher than the closing price of Horizon stock on Friday. The deal values Horizon at about $27.8 billion on a fully diluted basis. Pre-market movement is mixed following the announcement, with Horizon up about 14%, while Amgen is down more than 2%. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thank you. We also have an acquisition involving Microsoft. The company's agreed to buy a stake in the London Stock Exchange Group. The deal gives Microsoft a 4% equity holding as part of a new long-term strategic partnership between the firms. And in geopolitical news, Nathan, the U.S. will send a delegation to China in the coming days. The move follows up on President Biden's meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping last month at the G20. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Futures this morning are on the rise. S&P futures, they're up about 12 points. They're up three-tenths of a percent. Dow futures up 66 points, or two-tenths of a percent. And NASDAQ futures up a third of a percent. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 631 on Wall Street. And Amy Morris has more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Nathan. President Biden and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen affirmed U.S. support for Ukraine. Yellen telling CBS's 60 Minutes that American support will continue, quote, as long as it takes. We're doing everything we can to bring this war to a conclusion. Of course, we're providing considerable help. Um, to Ukraine, both military and economic. The U.S. has promised $38 billion in military aid and delivered $13 billion in direct aid to Ukraine already. New York officials have broken ground on a new Metro North line, but some are making way for other projects. After announcing Penn Station access will provide direct train service from the Bronx to Manhattan's west side, Senator Chuck Schumer says he'll be fighting to fund other major infrastructure initiatives. New York is building the next generation of our public transit system that is going to help keep our city growing. Which includes the second phase of the Second Avenue subway line to extend into Harlem and the Gateway Project, which connects underground rail tunnels between New York and New Jersey. New Haven's first adult-use recreational marijuana store is scheduled to open January 13th. Affinity Health and Wellness already operates a medical marijuana shop in Amity. The first majority of customers are expected to pre-order those products, then pick up those orders as they would at any pharmacy. Members of the Marine Mammal Stranding Center yesterday buried the carcass of a 30-foot humpback whale that washed ashore on a New Jersey beach over the weekend. Because of the state of decomposition, they were not able to determine the cause of death. It was believed to have been younger than 10 years old. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Amy. on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update brought to you by Tri-State Audi. Here again is John Stashauer. Okay, Nathan, Jets and Giants pretty much in the same boat. Exceeded expectations for much of the season, but both struggling the past month. Stuck on seven wins, both very much in battles for wild-card playoff spots. Jets in Buffalo trying to beat the Bills for the second time. They won the stats. More first downs, more possession time. They gained 87 more yards, but the Bills won the game 20-12. to Two costly second-half fumbles for Robert Salas' team.
I thought defense did a really nice job in both situations, uh, minimizing the damage. But um, two turnovers are always going to – when you lose turnover battle, you're, you're not giving yourself a chance to win a football game. Jets have lost three of the last four all on the road. The next two games are against Detroit and Jacksonville. And those teams are much improved. The Lions – just beat the Vikings. Detroit's won five of the last six, and the Jaguars just won at Tennessee by two touchdowns. The Giants' next game next Sunday night in Washington. That game will go a long way in determining whether they make the playoffs. The Giants winless in their last four, crushed at MetLife by league leading Philadelphia, 48 to 22. Eagles scored six touchdowns, three in each half. Big days for both Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders, and the Eagles are already in the playoffs. They're 12 and one. The Cowboys are 10 and three, nearly lost, but would have been a massive upset. But Dallas scored late to beat Houston. 49ers stay hot. Won by four touchdowns over now under 500 Tampa Bay. Tom Brady beaten by Brock Purdy who was making his first NFL start. At the Garden, Knicks won their fourth row, 112-99 over Sacramento. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thanks. Bloomberg Sports brought to you by Audi. Don't let someone else drive off in the Audi model you've always wanted. Visit your local tri-state Audi dealer to get behind the wheel of yours today or visit AudiOffers.com for more information. S&P futures now up 11 points. Dow futures are higher by 58, and NASDAQ futures on the rise by 37 points. 635 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Podisk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about Rivian scrapping plans to team with Mercedes to build electric vans in Europe. I'm Courtney Donahoe on KFAB in Omaha. There's no timeline for the restart of the Keystone Pipeline in Nebraska. I'm Kimberly Adams and on WBZ in Boston, I'll be reporting on Twitter, once again attempting to launch its premium service. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Radio in London. We've been reporting on the UK preparing to tap its coal reserves as cold weather pushes power prices to a record high. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting Auto Books has announced layoffs. Those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 636 on Wall Street. The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. How Republicans lost their House edge in midterms. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Republican candidates got about 51% of the votes cast for the House of Representatives in November and ended up with about 51% of House seats. Seems fair, no? This is not how things worked from 2010 through 2016, when Republicans won much larger shares of House seats than votes. The disconnect was most pronounced in 2012, when Democrats' 1.1 percentage point winning vote margin resulted in a 7.6 point loss in terms of seats. Gerrymandering after the 2010 census played a role in this, but political scientists pointed out that Democrats were also just inefficiently distributed, dominant in big cities, but present in large, if ultimately losing, minorities in much of the rest of the country. Since Donald Trump was elected president in 2016, this distribution has shifted, and the Republican edge has dwindled. I'm Justin Fox. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion commentaries every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more 
at OPIN Go. S&P futures up 11 points. That's a gain of three-tenths percent. Dow futures up 58, or two-tenths percent rise. And the NASDAQ futures are higher by a third percent, or 38 points. Ten-year Treasury is up 16.30 seconds. The yield 3.51 percent. Yield on the two-year 4.31 percent. 638 on Wall Street, straight ahead on Daybreak, the latest from the nation's capital, continued U.S. support for Ukraine, and will the January 6th committee bring out criminal referrals? Bloomberg government congressional reporter Jack Fitzpatrick joins us next. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update brought to you by the Donors Fund. Open your free giving account in minutes and instantly qualify for a tax deduction. Then choose from 1.4 million charitable organizations at any time. Visit thedonorsfund.org today and get your 2022 tax deduction. Futures this morning are on the rise. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call. And here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures with a bid right now. With Dow futures up 62 points, SBs gained 12, and NASDAQ futures are higher by 44. The U.S. 10-year yield at 3.52%. Gold is down 3. Oil is in the red. And Bitcoin is trading lower by 0.8%. Hong Kong fell 2.2% overnight, while European markets are posting modest losses this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 2 o'clock, the monthly budget statement. In deal news, people familiar said that Amgen will buy Horizon Therapeutics for about $26 billion, and Microsoft will purchase a 4% stake in the LSE Group. In other news, Rivian is scrapping plans to make electric vans in Europe with Mercedes. And wrapping things up, Best Buy was raised to neutral at Goldman Sachs. Curtis Wright cut to equal weight at Morgan Stanley, and Under Armour was raised to buy over at Stiefel. Live from the first break of news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Amy Morris with more on what's going on around the world. Amy. Karen, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has thanked his South Florida donors. It was a closed-door meeting in Miami yesterday where sources tell Bloomberg News DeSantis noted how his victory in Florida could be a blueprint for Republicans in the future. Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene told the New York Young Republicans Club over the weekend that the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, quote, would have been armed if she and former Trump advisor Steve Bannon had planned it. Greene appears to be pushing back against claims that she was involved in that plan. In sports in the NFL, the Bills beat the Jets. The Giants lost to the Eagles. The Ravens and 49ers both win. In hockey, the Caps and Bruins win. And in the NBA, the Knicks beat the Kings. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. Karen. All right, Amy, thank you. At a 642 on Wall Street, and we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. It is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT offers New Jersey's first undergraduate degree in fintech, tech-driven, finance-focused. What will you make at NJIT? Learn more at njit.edu slash fintech. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. In China, COVID is rapidly spreading through households and offices 
after the country's pandemic rules were eased. That's led to turmoil in poorly prepared hospitals. Some facilities are struggling to find enough staff and others are suspending non-COVID treatments. Scientists in California have made a breakthrough in nuclear fusion technology, producing more energy than consumed in a reaction for the first time. Bloomberg News has learned the achievement was made at the Department of Energy's Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory near San Francisco. Lasers were used to bombard hydrogen isotopes held in a superheated plasma state in order to fuse them into helium, releasing a neutron and carbon-free clean energy in the process. Scientists have been experimenting with the technology for decades, but getting the process to produce more energy than it consumes has been elusive. And as you've been reporting, Rivian Automotive is walking away from plans to jointly build electric vans in Europe with Mercedes-Benz. Rivian will no longer pursue the Memorandum of Understanding signed with the German automaker in September, which includes plans to invest in and jointly operate an existing Mercedes Vans plant. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thank you. It is 644 on Wall Street. Time now to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen predicting lower inflation next year and continued U.S. support for Ukraine in an interview with CBS's 60 Minutes. We're providing considerable help um, to Ukraine, both military and economic. And Secretary Yellen says that support for Ukraine will continue, quote, as long as it takes. Meantime, the White House says it will keep negotiating to free retired Marine Paul Whelan from Russia after securing the release of basketball star Brittany Griner. Spokesman John Kirby was on ABC's this week. There was a very serious, specific proposal made to the Russians to try to get both of them out together. And it just didn't land anywhere, didn't go anywhere with the Russians. But former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo tells Fox News Sunday, the prisoner swap for arms dealer Victor Boot may have played into Russia's hands. There is no doubt that today, not just Vladimir Putin, but all the bad guys, the Iranians, others who hold Americans in detention, see that if you take a celebrity, the chance of getting one of your bad guys back out of American control is greater. Also making news, the January 6th committee considering criminal referrals over the attack at the Capitol. Committee Democrat Adam Schiff was on CBS's Face the Nation. If we do make referrals, we want to be very careful about how we, we do them. Um, but I, I think we're all certainly in agreement that there is evidence of criminality uh, here, uh, and we want to make sure that the Justice Department is aware of that. And J.P. Morgan Chase CEO Jamie Dimon is weighing in on the chance for cooperation in Washington with the return of divided government. Dimon was also on Face the Nation. On both parties, the kind of the, the wing nuts didn't get elected. And there, so the rational thing, when I was just in Congress, I was gratified by the, the thought they want to make progress, and I think they can make progress. Face the Nation, Fox News Sunday, and this week can all be heard every Sunday on Bloomberg Radio. And our listeners in Washington can hear 60 Minutes from CBS every Sunday night on Bloomberg 99.1. Let's bring in Bloomberg Government Congressional Reporter Jack Fitzpatrick for more on some of these stories, including some interesting comments there from uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen on 60 Minutes, not just on Ukraine support, but her thoughts on inflation. Very interesting to get that ahead of the Fed meeting this week, Jack. Yeah, it's notable not only because she said she expects inflation to be lower by the end of 2023, but also made a point of saying she does not think that a a recession would be necessary to sort of break the cycle of inflation. So obviously she's not on the Fed board, but to hear the Treasury Secretary say something that is very clearly not in the Paul Volcker inspired line of thinking uh, is, is a pretty significant thing. 
And a lot of the uh, inflation outlook, I'd have to imagine, depends on what happens in the war in Ukraine. And the secretary was asked about that as well, saying support will continue, quote, as long as it takes. wonder how much of that's going to play into this uh, G7 virtual meeting that's happening today as well. Yes, that that does seem to be the relevant timing. And it's also uh, worth noting, she said, her expectations on inflation uh, slowing down are in the context of if there are no other major supply shocks. And, and obviously the war in Ukraine is something that uh, made this all a tougher situation uh, with inflation. But yes, uh, with the G7 meeting, there, there clearly is a, a another push by the U.S. just to reiterate that the support is there, more support is coming. I would note that, you know, the president, President Biden has asked Congress for another $38 billion or so uh, to be attached to a year-end government funding bill that's all Ukraine aid related. Uh, He's gotten pretty good feedback from uh, leadership in both parties uh, and obviously, in the early days of trying to institute this price cap with G7 countries in the EU on Russian oil purchases, uh, they, they seem to have thought it's, it's necessary to reiterate the support and emphasize the consistency of support for Ukraine. Want to turn to uh, what's happening on Capitol Hill more domestically. We're getting close to the end game for the House January 6th committee, and there seems to be a lot more talk about whether there are going to be criminal referrals uh, coming out of the committee's report. How much does that matter? It, it definitely matters. The The members have said that's an important thing. A couple of our colleagues reported that there was a, a discussion uh, on Sunday among members of the panel in which there were presentations made for referrals. Uh, this it could list this could be a list of people, including the former president, Donald Trump uh, and other top associates of his who may be. Uh, referred for criminal prosecution to the Justice Department. It's not binding. It's not something where the, the panel tells the Justice Department what to do and makes demands. But at the very least, regardless of what the Justice Department ends up deciding to do, uh, it would be a, a very powerful message, uh, depending on exactly what message they send to, to, you know, especially if they were to uh, present a referral for prosecution of a former president in particular. Indeed. All right. As always, thanks for this, Jack. Bloomberg Government Congressional Reporter Jack Fitzpatrick with us from the nation's capital. Read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. And a reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. S&P futures higher by nine points right now. Dow futures up 43. Nasdaq futures higher by 36 points. Ten-year treasuries up 16, 30 seconds. The yield close to 3.52%. This is Bloomberg. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update brought to you by SEI. Asset managers don't get results that are off the charts when their solutions are off the shelf. Learn how SEI's operating platform can turn infrastructure into a competitive advantage at SCIC.com slash tech. And futures are higher this morning. We check the markets all day long here at Bloomberg with S&P futures up about 11 points or three-tenths of a percent. Dow futures are up 51 points, almost two-tenths of a percent. And NASDAQ futures up 38 or about a third of a percent. The DAX in Germany's 
Treasuries down two tenths of a percent. The ten-year Treasury up fourteen thirty seconds, yield three point five two percent, and the yield on the two-year four point three two percent. NYMEX crude oil is down nine tenths of a percent, or sixty-two cents at seventy dollars forty cents a barrel. COMEX gold down a quarter percent, or four dollars ten cents at eighteen oh six sixty an ounce. The euro one point oh five six seven against the dollar. British pound one point two two eight two, and the yen one thirty six point seven eight. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. Nathan. Karen, thank you. It is 656 on Wall Street. Bloomberg surveillance is up next. But first, we bring in Bloomberg Radio and TV markets correspondent Kriti Gupta to take a look at some of the names moving in the pre-market on a merger Monday. And what a merger M&A Monday it is uh, in the healthcare space, particularly, Kriti. A massive merger Monday. Let's start with Horizon Therapeutics. Looks like Amgen is saying it's agreeing to buy the company for about $27.8 billion. Let's put that in share price, $116.50 per share in cash. Nathan, that is a 48% premium to where they were trading when the deal was closed. So massive news for Horizon Therapeutics. HZNP is your ticker there. And of course, for Amgen, you got to watch those shares, uh, AMGN. So Horizon rallying about 14% this morning, not quite hitting that 11650 Mark, So really keep an eye for that arbitrage there. But you also want to keep an eye on Amgen. Once again, AMGN is your ticker. It classically, as kind of the acquisitioner, if you will, is mm-hmm. down about 3.1%. Remember, this is the biggest ever acquisition for Amgen. They have beat out Sanofi and Johnson & Johnson, which were both actually bidding. And remember, Horizon is a company uh, that gets a lot of its revenue from Tepeza, which is basically treatment for painful autoimmune conditions. This is in an era where a lot of people are looking to evolve past COVID and say, you know what, we need to really be investing in therapies that address cancer, that address other rare diseases, and Amgen uh, really getting ahead of that move. And we could be uh, getting closer to another uh, M&A deal in the uh, tech space as well? We are. It really is a merger Monday. Uh, Coupa Software is the one you want to keep an eye on. C-O-U-P is your ticker there. The shares are up about 22% in the pre-market. This comes after Bloomberg News reported that Tama Bravo is in advanced talks to acquire the company after outbidding Vista Equity Partners. For those of you who don't know what Coupa Software is, it basically provides business spend management software. It helps companies track, manage the purchasing of goods and services. So some of their customers include Nestle uh, and Groupon, among others. We're still waiting on what the actual share price might be. But one of the top shareholders in Coupa right now, HMI Capital, is very vocal and said this should be about $95 a share. We'll actually see if that deal gets there. For now, shares are trading, like I said, up about 22%, around the $75 mark. So something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to keep you busy throughout this M&A Monday. We've also got uh, some new analyst recommendations to talk about as well. We do. Very quickly, Qualcomm here, C. Q or QCOM, excuse me, uh, shares are actually down 2.4%. Wells Fargo, really the cause behind this, giving the stock its only negative analyst rating, saying that they expect continued underperformance for smartphone names. Not exactly a vote of confidence you want on a merger Monday. Yeah, certainly not. Thanks as always, and welcome back. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta, keeping an eye on the movers in the pre-market. Stocks as a whole, moving higher as investors wait a slew of central bank decisions this week. We have S&P futures up 10 points, Dow futures up 48, NASDAQ futures are higher by 35 points. You've been listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager alongside Karen Moscow. 6.59 on Wall Street. Bloomberg surveillance starts right now. Live from the financial capital of the world, broadcasting across the globe, this is WBBR New York, Bloomberg 1130.
the Fed doesn't want to actually grasp the nettle and tighten From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.